Welcome to The Danger Room, a Marvel Crisis Protocol podcast focused on helping you to prepare for the opponents you are yet to face. We discuss strategy, tips, tricks, and things you should be considering to level up your gameplay. You can continue the conversation with us on our free Discord, and if you've been enjoying our podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon if you're in a position to do so. Links will be in the show notes. This is a competitive-focused podcast, so bear in mind that our opinions are focused through that lens. Regular members include Jacob, Sploosh, Mike, and Chewy. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Danger Room. I'm Jacob and today I'm joined by Mike and Sploosh. How are you doing, Mike? Fantastic. And Sploosh, how's things going with you? I'm going good. I'm so happy that Robert Burr team won the Super Bowl. <laughs> we, are, yeah. we are recording on the day of the very <laughs> finest owls in America, I'm heard. This, I keep seeing this superb owl thing all over the internet. It's probably nothing, right? Wait, yes. what? I don't know. Would you know about owls? Is this yeah, a owl? Thing? Everyone's talking about it. No, I don't know. The, the I think draw, about owls. draw the effing owl? Yeah, like superb owl. I don't know um, what you're talking about. Is this like some? Is this like some uh, like some British kid, meeting or like something? Elementary school kid like Zoomer stuff. Just just write it down. You see what I mean? Wait, what am I writing down for the superb listeners? Owl, superb owl, Super Bowl. Ha! Huh, I get it. Oh <laughs> my <got> gosh! <laughs> we got there, boys. <laughs> Dude, dumb Americans, what are you going to do? You know what's funny, though? I typed it into Google since you know I have another screen open, and it actually just Googled for Super Bowl, so the, the code was cracked for me. <laughs> um, oh, anyway, uh, back to MCP. Uh, there's been a big event in uh, the UK this weekend, just gone. 64-person um, open event, so it's not hyper-competitive, but there were some serious players there. Uh, there's an article gone up about the roster stats, and it was taken by Inhumans, which surprised a lot of people, right? Yes. <laughs> I hope some of the, I'm sure none of these games are recorded, because for some reason, British people don't record things, but I would have loved to watch some of these games. I mean, Pat lost to a Web Warrior player. That would have been fascinating to see. But, yeah, I, I don't know anything about how Inhumans are winning games. So I think at this point, it's safe to say that the UK meta is just very different than the American meta because, <laughs> first of all, I mean, I guess with the whole Web Warriors thing, like three Web Warriors players uh, made top eight, which is like a far cry from what happened at LVO. Like their win rate jumped like 40%. Um, but Spider-Woman and Age of Venom were available for this event and they're really good. So... Maybe they're the difference makers. Was but, Agent Venom played in any of the rosters? I saw Spider Woman. Yes. Yes. Yeah, was. Agent Venom was mainly, mainly played in Guardians rosters, though. Um, but he was in the Web Warrior Guys list that was in the final. And his name is Angus. Um, but mm. the yeah. what is an interesting stat that I'm seeing here is that with Pryo, it was a 56% win rate at this event. Uh, LVO was like the opposite. Right, like yeah, no, there is a slight advantage to losing prior LVO. Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe it's only like, uh, well, I guess this is like a nine percent dif difference, right? But or ten percent, ten percent. That's pretty significant. 
Um, wow. It was the less. Things have worked use that. We'd have to actually do some math to figure out whether it's significant or not. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I was getting at. But I mean, it is a cute observation point. Also, 17 was just played more at this event. It was the most played. Novio mm. was not like that either. So Yeah, just very different. But congratulations to Ron Walker, um, winner with Inhumans. Good job. Yeah. Anyway, let's get on what we're going to be talking about today. Well, hold on. I don't want, not to knock it either. I mean, 64 players is awesome, but it wasn't an invitational where, like, everyone that showed up had, like, won something. And, yeah, I mean, right. nice you have a lot more just guys who like the game showing up, which is fine. I mean, that's that's cool. But, I, you know, it just makes you wonder how reliable the data is. Yeah, it, it's definitely a different event, but there were a whole bunch of real good players there. Um, probably not 64 outstanding players, but um, there were definitely some, some high-quality players there. And so I think... Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of any UK players that, by name that weren't at that event. Like, yeah. other than Jacob, our own Jacob. He's the only... <laughs> yeah, sadly, life gets in the way of, of fun things like spending weekends playing games, but there we go. Anyway, what we want to talk about today is the uh, we've now had a good few months of the new crises that got reworked in December, and we feel like we're at a point now where we can talk knowledgeably about them and try and give a bit of a primer on extracts this week and then hopefully secures next week. So we're not going to go super deep because there are 10 of them and that would take forever, but we want to give a sort of quick overview of all of the extracts. But before we dive into them, there's a couple of important points which we want to kind of cover. These are things that we've talked about before on the podcast, but they're such important concepts when you're thinking about crises that we want to just touch on them again and make sure everybody, maybe refresh everybody's memory on these ideas. So Sploosh, do you want to talk about the sort of the fast versus slow idea of the game and what that means and how it plays into crises? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, the game ends when you reach 16 VPs, regardless of what turn it is. So, and it, theoretically, you don't even have to end the team or turn with certain characters, like a usurp the throne or something. But basically, the idea is there are teams that exist which are trying to score out the game as fast as possible, and potentially playing it like sort of like a tempo style game where maybe their characters would die the next turn, but if the next turn never happens, then it doesn't matter. Um, you know, we think of like, I don't know, web warriors or something is like these teams that are trying to just end the game as fast as possible, score a lot of points, run away, not die. It's just their strategy is if I, if I don't die, I win the game probably is the best way to think of it. Um, and so those teams exist and they want the fastest possible VP scoring, you know, objectives. Uh, and then that gets into, well, obviously the inverse of that is like Killy teams, attrition teams, they tend to want the game to go as slow as possible to give them time to gain an advantage on like minis on the table. Uh, so, you know, kind of like squeeze a team, take out a few of their activations and then have like a major advantage to end the game strongly. And then they're, they're going to want the game to go as long as possible. So obviously you got to not let someone get to 16 VPs. Because if, you, if that happens, the game instantly ends, but then you need, you're hoping to get like maybe five turns out of a game. Um, and that really quickly, we did an episode on Who's the Beatdown a very long time ago, and you can go listen to that if, you're not, if you've never heard of the term. Uh, okay, so once you've established um, that some people want to go fast, some people want to go slow, you get into Who's the Beatdown. We have a previous episode long, 
uh, I think it's like at this point over two years old, uh, discussing who's a beatdown. So if you've never heard that terminology in reference, I strongly recommend going and listening to that episode. But the uh, long and short of it is that uh, it's likely that in most games, somebody's going to be advantaged on VPs. So as an example, let's say your X-Men is in the game, the X-Men has an extra extract and is has run away from you. So the score is, you know, let's say five to four. The X-Men's up one VP in that turn. If nothing about the game changes, the X-Men wins the game because they've got that lead. Uh, so the beatdown would be the player that is losing, uh, which in this scenario would be the non-X-Men player. So once you identify that you're losing, you then have to decide how to play the game based on that information, which mostly means you got to go get some VPs and kill something, uh, or at least steal with you know the many ways to steal in this game now. Uh, and that's really the concept. I, I don't know if you guys feel like I left something out there. No, that's the basic idea. Um, so the way this ties into crises is you've got to look uh, at what's going on in the crises and what the, what the potential scoring is going to be and run that forward in your head to see, hmm, do I need to go and take on extract to take a secure off someone or can I play more defensively and use my actions differently? Yeah, it's probably worth noting as well really quickly when a game is starting to maybe do a little math quickly and think about how long a game's actually going to go. Um, this isn't a mistake I've made too much recently, but I will say... I remember back when I was Modoc Cabal, I didn't really count very well and was kind of like trying to play attrition in a very conservative and strategic way and realized kind of like too late that the game was almost over already because the score just, it was like gamma in the old gamma and this was, it was, I think it was a gamma cubes, but it was like so many VPs so fast that I just, my normal pace of play wasn't appropriate for what exactly was happening. Does that make sense? Like, um, an inverse of that, sometimes a game can feel slow. Like, I remember we had a, that great guest on it. I don't remember who's, what his name, but remember this, Jacob, you talked about Montessi and how people see Montessi as slow. But if you get both of them, like if one person gets two Montessis, which happens, uh, it can be a four-turn game with those two. Yeah, I want to say Huggy, but I didn't want to say episode. Huggy and then be wrong. But yes, that's, 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 that's how I remember it. Um, and I think that was an also a really wonderful episode in that just do the math really quick and think about it and say, hmm, okay, if I maintain sort of a parody here, when is this game going to end? And it's really good because what that means is you – Sometimes people over, like with extract, people will grab extracts they don't actually need. So maybe it was, it'd be better to like leave an extract in a really weird place on the corner of the board uh, instead of, of going and getting it on say like turn three when it, if you do the math, you're like, oh, I don't actually need that VP to win this game. And by wasting the opponent's turn and making them go grab it or whatever, they're not interacting with me. So anyway, pace of play is relevant <laughs> is all I'm saying. Um, so, yeah. so what one more bit of terminology that's probably worth talking about because it comes up quite a lot when you're talking about extracts is a midline grab. Mike, do you want to talk us through a midline grab and what that means? Sure. 
Uh, so what a midline grab is, is let's say there's an extract on the center of the table, like a hammer or something. And a uh, midline grab would be a way for you to get there with and grab it with still having an action left to spend on moving backwards. Uh, so off, there's a lot of things in the game that will punish you for sitting on the midline and being able to retreat with a like a medium or a long move or teleport back can be very valuable to stop you from getting punished by things like deception or Thanos or those, those are the big ones. Yeah. But uh, some examples of what can do this is Angela or amazing Spider-Man. They can just natively walk up, grab it and walk back. Um, there are some models that can play eyes on the prize with like beta Ray bill or red skull master of Hydra. Uh, and then they can single move, play the card, pick up the extract and then uh, walk back. Um, X-Men can do this with Storm's leadership. Uh, they just need one of medium or larger base or long move, and that character jumps off anything and uh, can go. Yeah, or Toad. Uh, yep, Toad can jump off anything and grab it. Um, but yeah, that's that's the value in that. Yeah, and just just to be clear, we're talking about the midline um, across sort of the east west of the table, not the north south of the table. So it's it's not. Uh, it's the one equidistant from you and your opponent, not splitting the board into a left half and a right half. Yeah, so it could be a side hammer or like the center Montessi book. Yeah, um, those called the middle cube. Yep. Okay, cool. Right, I think we're going to go through these uh, in an order, and the order we're going to go through is leaning on that fast to slow that um, Sploosh was talking about. So we're going to start with the fastest, what we think is the fastest crisis. So generally, this would be if you want to the game to earn uh, to end like round three or sometimes even round two can happen. Um, these are the kind of crises you might be considering playing in order to try and play into your game plan. So that's the general idea, and we'll end up with the slowest ones. So we think probably the fastest one is mutant extremist target U.S. senators, normally yeah. referred to as senators, right? So it has six senators, which are deployed kind of in, in two lines of three, just offset from the midline, so that there's sort of the your side and, and their side. Um, but you, the downside of this, one of the things to watch out for, you can only move once. So some of those midline grabs we were talking about don't work as well on these, because if you move up, pick them up, you can't then move away. Yeah, I think, I think uh, senators was designed to counter the midline grabbing. Um, unfortunately... <laughs> There's one team that seems to get around it. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's another team. I, I don't know. Maybe this in humans people or something. But uh, it seems like Mystique's leadership is like one of the few ways that you can get away with grabbing senators and running away. Um, two huge examples is uh, Juggernaut and Hulk, where you can double move your large base short mover character, grab, get your you know power refund, and then use your like little leaps away and get away and, and even be safe from deception after these movements. So, um, yeah. And it's worth noting as well, I think Toad is very good on senators just because the senators aren't actually in the midline. They're kind of like a little bit closer to your uh, deployment zone. And then Toad's using that range to grab. So he's, he's reasonably far back on senators. So he's kind of an all-star with that. Um, am I missing something there? Is there some other grabbing I don't know about for senators? The senators, we should say, I mean... I mean, 
you can get things like uh, Midnight Suns bumping back. You can normally get someone who can walk up there, pick it up if they've got a second power. Is that medium back. move, medium base can go up and then bump back? Is yeah. Uh, worth noting. I mean, I feel like I, hopefully our listeners actually have read and know all of these extracts by now. But it's still worth noting that with senators, you can only make one move action per turn. So it's okay to make two move actions to get to it and then use some kind of superpower to get out of there um, since the superpowers are typically not actions. So uh, kind of like the examples I gave kind of break the mold. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Center is really fast and it's a polarizing. And anytime you're the most, the fastest or the slowest, I think you're going to be polarizing to the game. Um, and it's going to cause maybe arguable drama because people are going to question, like, are you sure this is not too fast? <laughs> you know? Um, it's 19 threat, which is a high number. Uh, also, I've mentioned before, but it's worth noting that I personally think the game mostly favors choosing uh, secures when you get priority. So often, if, it's you, if you brought senators, uh, you're going to be able to choose 19 threat which is relevant, <laughs> you know? Yeah, not only that, but something that we've been seeing a bit of a trend of is if you buy into the win priority choose secures, then that means that you're choosing your extracts more often when you haven't got priority. And if you're taking odd-numbered extracts like cubes where there's five, someone's going to end up with three, someone's going to end up with two, probably. Um, so and your opponent has agency over whether they want to go for trying to get three or whether they can try and leverage you trying to get three to give them an advantage. Either way, they're, they're kind of in the driving seat. So we've seen a bit of a trend towards people actively choosing even-numbered extracts, which sentences is because you've got six of them, to try and get parity on the, on the, when they don't have priority, which is likely yeah. buy into that idea. It's actually a really good thought. Um, also... Just worth noting that characters that get like free movements, um, like good examples would be Wolverine. He's got the range three teleport on his attack. Uh, and also Rhino. Uh, Rhino can, I mean, he gets a free move uh, with, well, I mean, it costs power, but he has that like medium move, a superpower. And then also Rhino has Gore, which lets him place when he attacks. So. Uh, I've played games with Rhino where I do like double attack media move in a turn and go from like one side of the board all the way to the other side of the board. And it's just, it's phenomenal. It's so fun. Uh, I guess Quicksilver too. If you can yeah, Quicksilver is a lot more taxed. Um, also kind of sucks too because the senators are civilians and for some reason Quicksilver can't rescue people. Uh, so you can't steal it with his tactics card. Yeah. Um, but yeah, can I borrow that as the card I'm referencing? Uh, which apparently in the picture he just steals sunglasses for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, um, I don't know, Mike, if you, if you have any thoughts on Senators? Uh, yeah, Senators, it's like fast when there's a team that's designed to score it fast. Otherwise, I mean, I guess it's still fast even without that, but it feels like it's fast for both players instead of just for... I would say if, if a team, definitely one team, or 
It kind of should be both teams. I think if one team's good at it and the other team's bad at it, that's a catastrophe. But let's just say hypothetically both teams are yeah, average at it. Then I think the, it starts fast and actually slows da- down as the game progresses because what ends up happening is you move the center away from people and they literally have to choose sometimes between like go get this senator or go to a secure. And the game just kind of like you can't hold two at once, so you might start having characters, you know, dying. You might not even bring enough characters. Like maybe someone tries to go tall and goes like four characters, three characters, and then now you don't even have enough characters to carry them all. Um, so yeah. I, Right. The game will start quick. You'll get like a bunch of VPs on the first turn, and then as the game progresses, it'll get slower and slower and slower. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, where when we record this episode, it's definitely in a world where it's debatable on whether you want to even play it because Mystique is so good on it. Yeah, I was about to make that point. This feels like uh, one of those things, a bit like Wakanda Wave, where. Don't bring this because if your opponent gets it, they, there's there's a there's a team out there that just kind of is smiles all over their face if they see this. Yeah. Also, think about if you it gets even worse. I think this is something that's interesting in general with extracts is you take a team like X Men. If X Men wins Prio, they'll take their secures, and then you brought say Senators. Now. They're like good at their secures and they have prio for being better at extracts, you know? Because, like, the extracts you do having prio is better for extracts in general. I mean, Jacob, you brought up the whole like if there's a parody kind of situation, like with hammers, for example, theoretically, you'll get two hammers each, right? And then there's no advantage. Um, but that's just something to think about is that. If you, br- I guess what I'm trying to say is, if you bring extracts that are good for really ex- teams that are strong at playing the extract game, it can be kind of a double whammy when they get the secure they want and they're better than you at the extracts. Mm-hmm. That can be yeah. an uphill struggle. Um, yeah, perfect example of this is I lost Prio to next men player and put down my spider portals into like. Their cubes, right? I won prior, but I guess it wasn't as bad. But like, I was also playing cubes. If the prior was like reverse, we could have drawn the same scenario, and it would yeah. have been horrible for me, right? Yeah, because X Men on first activation just goes gets that middle cube or, or spider, and then it's just right. to to try to compensate for that. People will sometimes try to steal the other side. Like they'll they'll double move like a medium base medium mover, go steal like an enemy spider or whatever. But, uh, you know, you've got now characters like Wolverine and X-23, which have, like, these really nasty attacks they can do very early in the game. Like, I can't even imagine, like, parking a character across from Logan (laughs) within range three of him, uh, you know, on turn one. That seems like a disaster, especially if he's getting his rerolls. So, yeah, it's, it's just... Anyway, I don't, I don't know if, I mean, basically I feel like if you're not playing Mystique and you don't have some kind of plan, and I don't even know what plan that would be for defeating a Mystique player, you probably don't bring Senators. I think it's very polarizing. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, something that might work, maybe it's unexplored, is if you've got some the Dream Beam team, maybe okay. under Cyclops leadership, who knows? Um, a whole load of people tend to line up in the middle, right, in this crisis, so maybe beams are something you want to exploit and use that to your advantage. Uh, so I have lost with Mystique Senators on 19 to oh, Inhumans, boy. actually. <laughs> uh, my local uh, plays Inhumans, and I played the normal team that was like, you know, Mystique Hulk Drugs, Pyro Toad, and uh, I, they're able, they're good on it as well to the point where we both go 3-3 on the Senator, and then uh, what ended up happening is we basically just parodied the whole game and then Terra Genesis. My Toad got Terra Genesis. What was um, off that. his roster? Uh, his, well, you mean yeah. his squad. So his squad was Black Bolt, Miss Marvel, Lockjaw, uh, Quicksilver, Howling Commandos, and Toad. I believe that's nice. So Lockjaw, I had a feeling Lockjaw was involved. Yeah, so his opening is like, uh, I want to say he gives a power to Miss Marvel, and then Lockjaw activates. Lockjaw activates, gives a power to Miss Marvel. He teleports himself up, grabs his. Or he double moves, grabs a center, teleports. Well, yeah, he can't do that. Yeah. Or he can't do that. I'm sorry. He can't do that. He teleports okay. and then walks back once. That's what he does. Wait. And then Can he afford to do that either? Next activation, he gives... Yeah, yeah, because teleport costs two. So he gives one power to... Kamala, oh, I'm stupid. He has four power. He teleports up for two. Yeah, exactly. And then grabs... Um, and then Kamala at some point, like... And Biggins moves into the middle and like wants to punch something for power, and then she can like range two grab and then transform backwards. And then like commandos can like get a power and move people around. Quicksilver can also speedster up. Uh, there's a lot of like shenanigans going on, but yeah, basically the difference maker was Terra Genesis. I mean, Toad becomes like a huge liability for me. Because uh, he can easily just take chip damage and then die to Terra Genesis. <laughs> That's pretty exciting, honestly. You know, I don't think. I mean, honestly, humans just aren't popular. I don't even think a lot of people. I mean, floor wise, are very excited to play them, but there are those people out there, and I mean, it's exciting to hear that a team has some play. You know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely am nervous playing Senators into the Inhumans, at least my local, but. I will say that Inhumans seem to have like a bunch of other yeah. hard things to deal with in the game where like they're like maybe 50-50 on Brotherhood, but they Brotherhood also is like fine. <laughs> like so yeah. many other things. And Terra Genesis is interesting. It only works on civilians, but these are civilians. So it's right. pretty neat. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. so, Takeaway from that crisis is unless you have a good strong plan probably don't use it if you're like oh i think this is fine for for me and it's, it, i don't really have a good plan somebody else is likely to do better than you if you've got a good plan great it's it's potentially a, a really strong crisis but it's not like uh I'm, I'm fine on it i'll just throw it in maybe think about something else that's that's what yeah it's just happens. very polarizing the scoring is polarizing how to play it is everything about it <laughs> so so let's move on to our, on, on what we think is our second fastest crisis, and that is Paranoia Pummels Populous. Uh, and just in case you haven't seen this, this is one where there are four disturbances uh, set up with two wide ones and two sort of in the middle. Um, 
and uh, when you pick it up, if you're if you're on your own, you take a damage, and at the end of the round, you can score an extra VP if you've got another character nearby, at least one character holding a disturbance. Can't score multiple of those, but you can score one, which means you're looking that your if you set it up right, you should be able to score three VPs off your extract, which is the same kind of speed as Senators is. So it's it's pretty fast. Yeah, the bonus VPs add up quickly. It definitely, Paranoia feels like it's fast for both players. Um, and it can feel really like the game is on a tightrope. Yeah, my experience in Paranoia, and I actually played Paranoia at LVO with, and with X-Men. And uh, it's basically like there's a swing turn that decides the game. I was the best. I think there's yeah. ways to hedge and be good at it. Like, for example, um, healing factor is pretty cool with paranoia. Um, and then playing teams that kind of mm -hmm. want to ball up, which is usually like X Men and maybe like teams running bodyguards and that kind of thing. Um, I also, paranoia at 16 threat. I think 16 threat is like for, forever like a weird number in the game. Um, like some people just don't probably think about 16 threat very often. So if you have like a 16 threat team you like, that's kind of sweet. Um, I know with X-Men, I just was playing X-23 and Logan plus Storm and then, and then two threes, for example. Um, but yeah, Paranoia does damage when you pick it up and then you get the extra VP if you stay together. You only get the one extra VP. So, um, I don't know. I, Basically, the healing factor for the damage, and then having characters that want to cluster up, which is like X Men want to like jump off each other and that kind of stuff. Um, I think. Yeah, I can imagine defenders as well who want to be in like the the strange. Bubble. Yeah, I think if you've never played Paranoia and then you play, you play it, it can be weird for you. To, it, I remember the very very first time I played it, it was I felt it was awkward, like actually being near characters. I don't remember why. I think it was because we were playing like map D or something, but I felt the need to kind of like separate, run around and do stuff. And then forgetting to get that extra VP can be kind of a big deal when your opponent's not forgetting and getting it consistently. Um, yeah. Teams with good bodyguards, like maybe Steve Vengers as well, is another one where it might be, you know, where your plan is to be within. I saw Paranoia being played by uh, a Someone that was running Web Warriors um, at the event you mentioned earlier, Jacob. He was running Web Warriors since um, Sam Avengers, and he had Paranoia. And correct me if I'm wrong. I know Mike is more of the Web Warrior player here than I am, but I feel like he was probably playing Paranoia with Sam. And Sam has that inc incidental healing that he does with his leadership, and that can kind of compensate a little bit from the damage, um, you know, Avengers can have like a low core and like yeah. honestly, I bet you 16 threat is easy for both WebWords and Sam to put together. Um, so I don't think that's like a huge stress point, but my instinct is like probably you play Paranoia with Sam. Um, uh, I've played Paranoia okay. with WebWords and I liked it. Is there any like so? Yeah. Is it just the speed of it? Is there anything else to it than that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the speed and the fact that you can kind of run around with points. And yeah, like WebWars, I've always wanted fast crises, right? Like I've every, all my WebWars games I lose were like on herbs or on <laughs> uh, single extracts that didn't get found or something like that. Cause you, cause Interesting. Yeah. 
And and you find the web warriors are able to group up with no problems. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Uh, well, when you play that scenario, it's not bad because you can kind of play half the like if you're on like uh, not map E. I don't I don't really know what the map E situation would be, but you can. I mean, you would be part grouped up on that. But if you're playing like a map D or something, you yeah, you just play two points. Okay. And, uh, you have you have like a two two. Uh, two people and like three people try to like group up and Gwen can like move people in into position and stuff so yeah I didn't I didn't hate it it plays into it a little bit if you're on like Maya Fisk you're gonna have a whole bunch of people standing within two of each other yeah yeah that's gonna be more there's just something horrifying to me about like a five health character just instantly going to four health like Mm. well again we they they were trying to stop the midline grabs with senators with stopping you moving. I think again this is kind of in the same vein. It's trying to punish you if your first action is I move up with someone, pick up a thing, and then walk away again. Then you're going to take a bit of damage for that, which is going to help the opponent get that extract back off them. So I, I like the. I, like I think the it's a good one. one. Uh, it's one of my favorites. I his giving six potential VPs every turn. It, it's very aggressive though. <laughs> I, I like personally don't like the idea that games end ever on turn three. Um, I, I'd rather games go like four to five and maybe six sometimes. But anyway, I, I don't know. I, it's okay. The 16th threat is kind of neat too, I guess, because you can kind of pinch the game a little bit and, you know, it's not like a crazy 80 million characters. So, like, so I guess my point is like if it's lower threat and you like take out a character, you potentially are slowing the game down. Where if there's like, it's let's say it's like 20 threat, sure, you maybe take a character out, but then there's like another character that just goes and picks it up and the pace of the game is not really slowed down. You know what I'm saying? Or, or at least it's less likely. Um, so, anyway, I don't have much else to say on Paranoia other than that it's fast and, you know, having a. I don't know about, uh, if map K is relevant in any way for anything. Or if you, it's a... When you're playing it, how much do you care about that chip damage on the on the pickup, or are you more interested in securing the VP and dictating the, the uh, well, areas of the game? On the map K thing, I, um, that's four things at midline. You mentioned midline steals. Um, X Men have tons of steal options. And then also, like I said, I was doing Logan X23, so the damage was very easy to just shrug off, you know? Um, and my characters weren't being really negatively influenced too much. Um, so what I like doing on Paranoia, which I think is worth shouting out, I like prioritizing the, the Paranoia tokens that are near secures that are on the table. So if we're playing Map E, McDemon's Gamma, I like to leave the side paranoids up and get my opponent to go grab them <laughs> and then not be relevant for like a round and a half. Um, and I'll prioritize to oh. the center ones. That's uh, good tip. If, if I'm on like a map D, then I'll prioritize the flanks and take those and let my opponent go for the middle ones where they will also be not relevant for like a round. I mean, at least not secure relevant, but I mean, there are some characters people play Right, but my characters won't be there either, right? So, like, they're not even, like... Sure, but, like, there's characters like Toad and Storm where I'm happy that they're not relevant because I don't want them to die. You know? 
Hmm. Uh, sure, sure. But yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I played against X-Men one time on Paranoia and it was Gamma and I just left the side yeah, well, that's Paranoia rough. tokens <laughs> and went for the middle ones and like I'm threatening, I'm threatening the middle ones right. with like Deception and all this stuff and they can go grab the sides and be out in the Gamma dead zone. Like, sure. And then I take the middle ones and like I'm going parody and yeah, the yeah, gamma thing that's yeah. super punishing for non-healing factor characters too, right? So it's just like ugh, you like take a damage grabbing it, and then probably can't get to the well. First of all, if you even if you could, let's say grab the side one and go to the middle, which most characters can't even do that. That's really not a, a middle steal or any uh, of any kind right and then if you run away you're probably stuck in gamma hell and theoretically that's like two damage you've taken um for free um i don't know it's rough um, yeah and like i won't even like that's even say if i have deception and they take out they try to grab like they go and grab a side paranoia. I'll just right. like, I'll just ignore them. <laughs> like it's like sure you can just sit out there. I'm not gonna like give you a move action. True. To be yeah. So it, you know, man. Yeah. Gamma's rough for paranoia. Ouch. I haven't had that experience. Luckily, um, I had played Gamma Scrolls or something. And that was not fun. But um, yeah, that's later. I don't know. I don't. Are there any teams that you think would actively want to avoid Paranoia, who maybe they're a bit more on the squishy side, and so that one chip damage is going to make a bigger difference? Struggle to clump up? Mm. Uh, it's hard I mean, to say. About, like any kind of... I don't know. I've seen like Thanos Guardians bring it so that they can play their 16 Dream Team and have success. So Yeah. I mean, I think it's about the threat. There's only, right. the only 16 threat extract. So if you right, want to yeah, play exactly. it, it's this. And I think that's kind of what AMG was their design, right? They wanted to make multiple aspects of each crisis attractive to different styles of play. And they're probably succeeding. Yeah. I, you know, I'm so used to criticizing things that when I don't see a problem, it's kind of confusing. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> because, you know, even looking at Senators and... Because, you know, Senators is kind of a middle steel kind of thing, and Paranoia is promoting... If you look at the map K, it's very, like, middle steel sort of aggressive. Both of them are, like, fast and yet promoting aggression, which is an interesting take on crises, I guess. Because usually, in the past, it's been more polarizing, where it's like, this is only good for attrition, and this is only good for, you know, objective teams, but... Both of these are kind of trying to do both, which is interesting. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was definitely their intention. Exa exactly. I think it's obvious. It's kind of like reading the tea leaves. If you look at how they're set up and how they kind of promote this, like, turn two, perhaps, brawling. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't see there being any accidents. Although, I think kind of jiving against that is the 19th threat on Senators, because... Rule of thumb, teams that want to kill things want to have few things on the table to kill and so that their power pieces don't get removed as easily because they can't concentrate fire on them. And teams that want to do control things like having lots of redundancy in characters to be able to score points. So, as a again, rough rule of thumb, yeah. loads of exceptions. But broadly, punch teams like low threats and controlly teams like high threats. Um, 
so you've got a fast crisis which would normally lean to a control team with a relatively high threat at 19. Yeah, I feel like maybe that could have just... I think the big boy meta kind of disputes that. Like, it's it's one of these things where, like, if you're bringing Hulk, the lower threat actually makes him, like, immortal. And even more so when the game is going quickly. And, you know... And then also, like, I think of S.H.I.E.L.D. They, and, and I listened to Kirkov, who won LVO. He was discussing how his opponent should have been taking lower threats against him. And in S.H.I.E.L.D. 100% is an attrition team. That's, like, doing this whole gunline thing. And with gunline, it's a, the power of focus fire. So uh, when you have, like, a million little imps just gunning people down, just having the higher threat is better for him, you know? Yeah, it, like I said, there's, it, there's it, lots of countries, but as a, a more rule of thumb, I found that to be largely true. Yeah, it's crazy. I, there's a lot to it. It's it, a lot of it comes down to gauging how fast the game's going to go too. It it really does because like maybe there's a situation where there's actually too many VPs on the board, and even though Shield has like a million characters, like the game will just end too quickly. Like I I don't know if it's like maybe paranoia plus like. Um, scoundrels or something, and you can score like what, what six and what five. So I mean, it's a lot, right? You could theoretically score like eleven VPs in a turn. Yeah. I mean, that probably won't happen, but that's still insane. Um, well, I guess it would be eleven. It'd be, 16, no, realistically, yeah, it'd be. I'm sorry, it would be three plus like three. It'd probably be like six realistically uh, that you could get. So you could theoretically. And the game in like three turns. Let's go on to um, a sort of a, a almost a pair of crises. There's similarities, but there's important differences, uh, which are the last ones we sort of think of as the faster crises, which is uh, the first one being struggle for the cube, and the other one, its pair, being spider infected and babe Manhattan. So these have got five uh, crisis elements. So there's just more points. Uh, all the other, all the rest of these crisis uh, extracts have got four or fewer. Uh, and they're arranged in the same shape, which makes them easily comparable. Uh, you're probably familiar with these because they were in the core set and they're largely unchanged. Um, so, again, teams have always liked these who wanted to score quickly. And they've oh, sometimes cubes get preferred, sometimes spider infected gets preferred. So we'll dive into a little bit of, of what the difference might be. But, again, these are two fast crises. Yeah, definitely fast. It's like... Unlike the ones we just talked about, this is more like a 3-2 situation where the, it's more obvious who's winning, I think. Where, like, with Paranoia and Extremis, in theory, you could... It's kind of like you can tie, and then the game's going fast for both players as, as well. Um, which I think is where we talked about the previous ones. It's, like, more swinginess. Where these ones is more about, like, the who's the beatdown concept and having to deal with the problem of how am I going to slow these up how am i gonna take the initiative back if i'm behind you know um 17 threat is just sort yeah. of favored i think for like most teams so and i i just i'm curious to you i think these are just like cubes and spider effect are probably just like in my opinion like the best objectives in the game uh, maybe i'm a little biased as kind of an x-men fanboy but i just love what they do to the game it's really obvious kind of who's winning quickly and then just how they play out, the pace of play, everything. I just, 
The threat's nice and average, and probably where I think the game is at its sweet spot is 17 threat. Do you guys have any different takes than that? Yeah. And there is a significant downside to holding. Yeah, it's true. There's also, yeah. So if you're not winning, it gives you an, uh, like a route that's going to help you get back into mm-hmm. the game. Yeah, 100%. Cube's gonna cube's gonna do damage, which means it's easier to daze them. Uh, and Spider Infected, they've got a fifty percent chance of being advanced short, which can take their heavy hitters away, or it can bring their extract holders closer in, so it's easier yeah. to deal with them. So they both got ways to try and help the player who's down true. on it. Very true. Um, and I, I'm glad they finally changed how cubes works with characters not losing their entire turn. Uh, yeah, that, that that felt real bad when you had people like yeah, especially when that support. character's like five or more threat. It's just gross. Um, I've experienced it many times. I was never a fan. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't. There's these things have been around forever. It's I mean, obviously these have like a middle grab situation. So having prio gives you usually an advantage. Um, I also mentioned that earlier that you know you can have like a medium base medium mover go do like a double move like a lizard is very popular to try to go steal like someone else's side um and as long as that character especially if you can get away with it late in the in the turn that character likely could live and then hope maybe even a prio so that character can like run away the next turn um yeah you can do it with black panther who if you deploy him centrally can get to either terrain dependent and therefore, whichever one they pick up later, which they're leaving for later to pick up, he can go and grab that and hopefully survive. Yeah, also, um, a, a Hydra, Red Skull Hydra Black Cat could, like, if it's you're playing, like, map B, she can double move onto, like, that B point, uh, get the extra power for turn, and then steal, run away. Because... Generally, people will like grab a cube and sit on a B point. Uh, this also works um, without Hydra. You could do it on um, where's Infinity, because Infinity is giving her an extra power. So there's little tricks like that with Black Cat. Yeah, I mean cubes is great for X Men, right? I mean X twenty three or Logan. Um, either to me, my X Men from Storm uh, up or hopping up. And then picking up two cubes with the discount from first class, and then so getting the center one, moving back to get one of your sort of home ones, and then sitting there with healing factor two, so that when they take two damage next round and they activate early, it just goes away. Oh, that's a that's nice one for about. sure. Um, the biggest thing is cubes lets one character pick them up, like all of them theoretically. Like one character could theoretically hold five cubes. Um, yeah, yeah, it's only. Three crises now that do that, that I told more than one, and, and cubes is the one uh, we'll put there. Or one of them, it's not one you're Yeah, we'll get to the other one, but uh, my experience is that you get characters like Juggernaut, which can just be like these extract vacuum cleaners, where you'll have, like, let's say a storm and let's say a toad are holding cubes, right? And that Juggernaut comes in on turn two or whatever smashes one of them, grabs their cube, then the next turn can like shuffle over with all the power they just got, not to mention all the cube power. Uh, you know, smash the other character, grab their cube, and the next thing you know, 
he could even potentially run away after that happening. And and now you have this like big nasty tanky dude who is just kind of holding everything. Um, and that can be kind of tough to deal with. Okay, yeah, I, I, I gotta say, that. I'm okay with obviously, I mean, I mean, I think it's good to have variety in the game, but I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, AMG added a lot of this character, only one of these can be held uh, rules. You know, like Senators, we've already talked about Senators of Paranoia have that rule, and many others um, have the only one, like you know, Alien Ship was changed, uh, Montessi has been like that. The point is, I think AMG agrees that the juggernaut running around and holding everything is maybe, like, not the most fun experience for people. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Hulk is another great example. Nothing's more depressing than, like, a 20 or, say, 15 health Hulk with patch-up holding everything. And, you know, you're just sort of like, well, what am I supposed to do against this? You know, so uh, Cubes offers that possibility. And, you know, Jogs is a good, like, he can negate damage with power. So he can also just not take the damage from the cubes as well. Um, and, that, you know, that's where Spider Infected, you can only hold one spider. Uh, also, just the fact that Cubes is an asset versus civilian on Spider Infected, that's relevant for, like, you know, the stealing stuff like Terragenesis, can I borrow that? Which hilariously are both inhuman yeah, distinctions. Um, but yeah, and there's other stuff, I guess. I, I, I don't know. It's like relevant. Isn't it relevant for uh, Sin, Cabal as well? Yeah. Yep, definitely. And then Spider Infected for a long time was kind of the go-to answer for when I'm playing against someone like a Thanos or a Hulk, that the idea being that they don't really want to pick it up because they're losing potentially so much action economy and they can only hold one of them. Um, so just pushing away those big threats and pulling in the uh, weaker pieces of the team, that are maybe running around grabbing extracts. Um, do, you, do you think that's still the case, that you don't want to see this if you're if you're running a, a Malekith? Or if you're I definitely a, wouldn't want to play Magneto with Spider-Infected. Um, that sucks. I think. Yeah, you just I mean, can't pick. You can't pick up. Right. Yeah, it, but don't pick it up with Magneto, and then also you can't asteroid M while holding the, you know, like extract. So. Yeah, that's true. And there's five. Yeah, there's five of them on the board, so there's yeah quite a lot of them. Yeah, if you pick one up on Mag's early game, a smart opponent will just ignore you. And yeah. Push you away because you can't be asteroid. Well, even better, you do what I would do, yeah. which is like. <laughs> move beast up throw magneto and then like move him away and then like maybe they got a movement from the spider and it's just like that's two movements <laughs> like he's done you know um yep. anyway i don't know that there's much more to say other than i think jacob you earlier brought up a good point which these are not parody and the like hypothetically most of the time your opponent has prio if you got your cube or your spider and then now someone could do like a midline steal and have an advantage on you because of what you brought. So that's the, the negative of bringing cubes and spider infected uh, is that you might be giving your opponent agency over you uh, when you lose prio, right? So anyone else have any thoughts or we move on? Mike? Yeah, Mike, you got anything you want to add on this? Uh, no, I mean, they're mostly unchanged from the beginning of the game. Cubes just lost an NP, uh, which is good. 
Um, but yeah, you just have to consider, if you're playing these, you have to consider uh, losing prio to like a secure focus team and then them that team also having like midline steals can put you on the back foot pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of ways to mitigate that. You can always dive and take theirs or you can play steals like Rhino or something um, and get it back. Um, so maybe okay. going down one is less bad, but it can be uncomfortable. Well, let's get on to some of what we think of as the sort of the mid speed. They're not super fast, but they're not on the slow end either. So both of these have got uh, four extract elements that we're picking up. And we think probably the slightly faster one is Hammer's Fear Grips World as Worthy Terrorized City. Um, reason that's maybe a little bit faster is uh, we're comparing it with Scrolls Infiltrate World Leadership. Um, and uh, one of the problems with the scrolls is that when you pick up a scroll, you get moved. So if you pick up a hammer, you get better offense. If you pick up a scroll, there's a chance you get pulled in and that you're going to be taking more damage. You're more likely to get dazed, whereas picking up a hammer doesn't make you any less likely to get dazed. In fact, but it makes you better at dazing people. Uh, maybe it so, makes you more likely to get dazed because your tactics cards cost more and you might not be able to play that brace or then there may be a slight thing there, but it feels to us like hammer, hammers are faster. Uh, and the fact you can have multiple hammers on the same person as well. So we, we kind of see these similarly, but we think hammers is just, just shade faster than, than the scrolls. Yeah, so the reasons people bring hammers are usually for the parity aspect of it, meaning that it's like it's symmetric, like there isn't an odd number that can be stolen and you go down a point. And or, or they really like having the extra attack die. And those teams are typically like yeah. teams that run Bucky <laughs> yeah. or Rock or Rocket. Like oh, so yeah. Shadowlands, Daredevil, Shield, I mean, Guardians. It's pretty good on Sam. Uh, X-Men play this. Yeah, Sam likes a hammer. Storm does pretty good with the hammer. Rocket, Bucky, those models. Uh, so those teams like hammers. Also, Big Boys and Voodoo are kind of like the yin and yang. I find on this crisis, um, big boys can easily collect hammers. And then uh, I guess Rhino too. Rhino and Voodoo can counterbalance them. It's like, oh, you dropped everything, you know? So, yeah. And I, I, too. I'm Miles sure we've all experienced yeah. a game where like Juggernaut just has three hammers and that's just horrendous. <laughs> uh, I've had many games where it's like, oh, if I don't just kill Juggernaut here, the game ends, and good luck to my dice. Um, the the cool thing too with hammers is it's 18 threat, which generally means the big boys can fit. Um, sometimes that one extra point, what's the big, you know, the four becomes a five kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I I mean hammers has been talked to death. It's been popular for ages and ages and ages. Uh, you know. Do you think that scrolls should be as popular, if not more popular, than hammers? Mike has played way more scrolls than I have, since he's more on the that side of the coin. <laughs> I've also played one of the best teams, I think, on scrolls. So if it's hard for me to gauge, I feel like I'm always. Can you explain that to me? I legit don't. Maybe not. See where that comes from. I, I've so. I'm learning that I'm going to talk about my brotherhood just slightly, but I'm learning that my extract game is like better than my secure game because 
if people really want their secures, I get my extracts, and then I can play twenty threat with scrolls and play like uh. drugs Rhino, and it like gets really obnoxious. But even before I had Rhino, I was running like Pyro Lizard or something, and you know Hulk Jugs Lizard all have like four physical. They don't really get moved when they pick it up. I mean, what's the math on that though? And so two and four, like, two and eight, five, four times. Yeah, twenty-five, 25 times. Okay. four dice. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, just I don't know the exact number, but it feels like they don't get moved very often. Maybe it's like really? every three wow. games. But like, they, yeah, it's just like very difficult for my opponent to like meaningfully get ahead of me on it. Hmm. Uh, so, and it's it's also parity. So like, I'm losing prio, right? And then my opponent can't go one up on yeah. me. It's worth emphasizing. This is like the middle of the spectrum, right? We're finally at like two VPs each is about average for um, an extract, right? I mean, am I missing something? That's pretty much, yeah. So yeah. if you're like, I don't know, not sure what to pick, I mean, picking hammers and scrolls is kind of a safe bet. Um, the negative is both of them are kind of midline focused. So... If your team is literally just like, I don't know, Asgard and your whole, like nobody's really doing any really cute midline stuff, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe this is scary. I, I mean, like, is there anyone that hates hammers and scrolls? Like, if, if Twix, if, you know, like, well, who's like scared to play it? I'm not, I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's like dramatically bad for anyone, right? It's just like some people get like a little bit more edge than you. No. Yeah, it's usually bad if your opponent has things that make it bad for you. It's not like inherently yeah. bad just with your like deception, right? It's kind of Yeah, like your opponent can bring things that are really frustrating to deal with, like you said, deception or Thanos or some kind of eyes on the prize plan where they just grab a bunch of hammers or uh <laughs> like stacking hammers on Hulk or I don't know. There's a whole bunch of different things. Bucky and Rocket and you know, Sam. Um, I've seen people do like Angela, like grab their like the opposite, like the scroll in the middle, but like closer to the opponent. Like, yeah, it's eye on the prize, it's Angela. Eye on the prize for that, I'm not really sure it's worth. Yeah, it. it's in. Like you're basically you're paying a tactics card to like hired muscle one scroll. Basically, you, right? I think. Yeah, I think though. Like. Eh? You're, you're kind of forcing the opponent to like maybe go for the side ones and then you like are playing deception or like other ways to like punish and then they don't really get like really a safe choice is the thought personally i feel like angela yeah. this is so off topic but briefly angela stealing the middle is like overrated um a lot of the time she's out of the game for a mm. long time for like one vp so She's too much. She's too high of a percentage of your team. Yeah, I'm not sure if anyone else can even do that play. I, to be honest with you, I haven't. I haven't been a big scrolls player. I've played it a few times, but it's never really. Like, I, it's just not been my style lately. I definitely need to learn it though, um, because I need to learn Brotherhood. So, uh, but yeah, I don't. I don't have much else to say. I think these are just good old honest MCP gameplays. Uh, I don't know. Very average. So, we good to move on, Jacob? 
Mm. I just uh, circling back, Mike, to your maths question about the chance of your four physical defence. Uh, it's sixty-eight percent chance to not get pushed, thirty-two percent. So one game in three is pretty much spot on. Damn, I That's am just the, the math instinct, lead. right? Like. Dude, I am the mathlete. My subconscious <laughs> is a calculator, okay. apparently. I mean, I've been there, you know, where <laughs> you're like, I feel like it's like this, but I have no mathematical proof for that. And then turns out, you yep. know, the math is right there. So. It's like when you're like, it feels like it's 7 o'clock. Yeah. Oh, it's 7 o'clock. Sick. Yeah. It's <laughs> funny. Um, should we talk about some of the slightly slower ones then? Yep. So there's three crises that you can almost sort of play together. They're, they feel like they've been designed for the teams that want to play slow. Uh, alien ship crashes in downtown, Montessi formula found, and deadly legacy virus cured. They've each got three um, extracts, which is going to score you one VP each. Well, and so they're just going to be slower, and then they flavor on it with um, uh, the slight sort of. But it's funny too because. If you were to describe like what is an attrition team, it's probably one way to say is it's teams that enjoy playing on map C and E, and but these are you know yeah. C E C as far as like alien ship Montessi, the you know legacy virus. So you know that's a good hint, right? Um, and I have to think it's on purpose. Um, AMG is aware that there's this strategy of like wanting to just kind of brawl, and uh, so they gave these three choices to us. I mean, honestly, I think these are just like the, the neutral crises. I think they each have their small gimmicks on them, but that's mostly for flavor. And I, I even think legacies in that now. I don't think you can, and no one has discovered a way to abuse the bonus VPs yeah. as of at the moment, as well as like the, as well as Steve Vengers or whatever back a while ago. Uh, yeah, the the change to be exploding in the cleanup phase has been a huge difference maker. But yeah, there's some subtle nuance with like like I said, legacy alien ship. Like people generally spend their power or not and blow people up. So it's kind of like you kind of play it how you want, which is cool. I feel like they're just like it's 17, 18, 19, so you get one apiece, and they're pretty neutral you just kind of play them if they just you're not trying to like skew anything you're like i just want like a normal <laughs> game you know yeah i mean these are the choices though if you're trying to get brawly you know I, I mean i hear what you're saying about neutral but that's not really like if you look at if you compare them to the others right they're yeah. different and how are they different yeah that's fair i mean they're they're the they're the slowest that aren't researcher right i think so. that they're amg's attempt to like give attrition teams something to play that is like, it just seems like AMG's decided that like, okay, the slowest we want the game to go is this mostly. I mean, there's, we're going to get to research station. It's the only one we haven't mentioned. Um, but for the most part, I feel like it's been clear that AMG wants these three to be played by attrition teams, or at least to be choices for attrition teams with maybe researcher. I mean, mm. Uh, research is a topic <laughs> yeah yeah i think it's like pick whichever they're all mostly the same except for their threat value and pick the one with the threat yeah the most. and they all have a middle grab it is it's actually wild to me extracts are just like i guess this is me um 
old man uh, splooch here, but dear God, like what happened to Matt B for extracts? <laughs> Matt B is just not a balance. Yeah, I think we did discuss that at one point that it, that we'll never be, live in a time where Matt B is fair because like all it takes is someone having the ability to like steal your side and it just ruins the whole thing because that yeah, both both scenarios force no confrontation, where you both go two two on your deployment and you ignore each other and play chicken, or somebody. Yeah, it's like a three one, which is just like not fair anymore. Yeah. Um, and then you can run around with three versus their one. But it's not even just a three one because other other extracts can do that now. It's the fact that it's three one, but to break parity, you have to go into your. Opponent's yeah, yeah. Well, it's a good topic. Is. <laughs> Just why? Why is there no map B? I mean, they're it's legit. All of these are forcing interaction, which is probably just better. But like, it's it's not really about the shape letters anymore. Uh, it's the letters are just a map to what the deployment for the sure. But my point, is like, with map B, there's no midline. But every one of these ones is midline. Like the game is just saying, hey, we want you to go to the middle. Like even even Wakanda herbs, like the two bands, right? Like Wakanda herbs was there's nothing in the middle. You had to like go cross. So it's just it's just interesting, um, sort of aside, I guess, is that clearly AMG wants us to interact. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's also probably why midline stealing will always be like at a premium because all the extracts, except for researcher, which. I don't know if there's much. Do you guys want to move on from this? I, I mean, there's the only. I mean, legacy lets you hold two at once, but that's even probably not even that likely to happen. Um. Yeah, I think there's there's a couple of cute things to say about Montessi, um, and there are reasons that particular affiliations might want to pick it. So, for example, uh, if you've got a Siege of Darkness or a Wakanda Forever, and you can get you a Mystic attack with that because it's a zero-cost attack that the, the Mystic Beam gives you. Um, it gives you access to Mystic attacks, and there are some teams like, I don't know, a Brotherhood who just can really struggle to find characters that do Mystic attacks um, for the way they want to play the game. Um, and, of course, if you're playing Convocation, you've probably got a lot of characters with heavy mystics so that you get to make mystic attacks, whereas your opponent is going to be highly disincentivized to play it. So those, there are little things which you might be able to leverage to your advantage that you get with Montessi in particular. The only thing I... my I played Montessi a few times with the new setup and new stuff. They're just funny to me that like there's these random meta characters that like hate mystic, like X twenty three Logan and Rhino, all are just like annoyed by a Mystic Beam. Um, not not really enjoying that experience. Um, and then there's like characters like Juggernaut and Magneto, which just have these massive Mystic defenses. So yeah, just just yeah. kind of interesting. Um, I mean, even even actually um, Apex has got what the four Mystic, and then maybe has Magneto's cover. So, yeah, you just got to be mindful. Mm -hmm. I, I remember the very first time, how was it, I played... Oh, uh, no, it was actually when Matessi was Energy, and I was playing um, Blade, and that really made me sad. <laughs> so uh, they did change it to Mystic, though, which is probably more logical. Yeah. Yeah, 
it always was a bit weird that it yeah. was a mystic beam that was an energy attack. So I, I like. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, let's talk about researcher then. So <laughs> yeah, what's your win rate on this one, uh, Mike? <laughs> it's terrible. Researcher and Moon Madman are my kryptonite. So if you're trying nice. to beat me, just play those. Yeah, researcher was changed to fifteen threat. How do you feel about that? That is yeah. a actually great change, uh, mostly because of Thanos. Uh, Thanos is eight points. The lowest "quote unquote" viable core and affiliated core in the game is eight points. There's a few of those, so eight plus eight is sixteen. You can't do that anymore with Thanos, uh, which I think is really important. Yeah, I dig it. I think. 15 is probably fine, but I'd actually be happier if 15 also didn't exist. But I guess I got 14. 14 is not around anymore. I should just be happy <laughs> with that. But um, I don't know. Researcher still is kind of like, or 15 threat is still kind of a, a tough if you're not, I don't know, like, you know, there's leaders like all those expensive leaders, like, I don't know, Cable and She-Hulk and... I don't know, random, I don't whatever. There's just a lot of expensive leaders out there. That's just like, ugh, 15 threat. Are you kidding me? Um, research is the slowest in the game, though. Well, in, in, yeah, it's even slower. So the speed got nerfed. <laughs> it, it was kind of fast if you just balls to the walls, pushed into their base kind of thing. And it, we, I mean, we had, I think, we did an episode, I believe, on this. And we did a pillar of the game research station. And basically, the the conclusion was that researcher basically invalidated every secure in the game. You could argue that like pay to flip is kind of fixed that a tiny bit. Cause you could like, you know, flip and then run away. But, um, they definitely, the only one it did at the time was gamma. Yes. Cause you're basically playing the same thing anyway. Um, so the, the prevailing strategy when that was the case was, uh, just stay focused completely on the researcher and push immediately to the opponent's side of the board. Now that they changed how researcher works, I I don't think people do that really anymore. I, I think it's more like you win it and then kind of like drag it over to a secure that you uh, you know want to defend. And does anyone disagree with that? So there's a couple things. I feel like I feel like the the nerf on the evac VPs is probably unnecessary with them changing the way that that is scored. because before you could dunk it and you did you could just completely abandon it and you would score two guaranteed so it was like you were basically plus two vps even though the score didn't show it now that doesn't happen you have to secure it to like get the yeah, bonus and the researcher right uh yeah so i feel like it should stay it should have stayed costing two because now it doesn't feel like it rewards you enough to like dive your right. opponent and it it also is just like, dude, researcher is just a dice fest. Like there is no, <laughs> you don't really have a lot of agency over the things. Like you have, it's a single extract that cannot be grabbed. So like you, <laughs> it's all or nothing scoring. It's like, it's everything that they removed from the game, but just left researcher in for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, so I don't like it, but it is what it is. It, it feels like if you, you play it, if you want to leave, like you're like, I'm going to bet my dice are better than yours. Um, I mean, I think teams like maybe Shadowlands Daredevil still like it, right? You can do fun things like if you've got priority and you win the researcher, you can place it somewhere so that you can get rerolls on characters you wouldn't otherwise get rerolls on. That's a cute interaction, but like, I feel like 
Researcher benefits a gun line if the threat is high, <clears throat> but it benefits like the Malekith tall teams if the threat is low. Yeah, it's kind of getting into what I was talking about earlier. Um, but because the, the big Malekiths are less likely to die when there's a low threat because there's just less things to shoot at them. And then if that Malekith can erase one of the activations you have, it's even less likely that they're going to die. Um, but then maybe the Malekith has, has like some pretty bad dice rolls and then you just like lose the whole game. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. There's part of me that thinks I'm not, I haven't figured out and I'm not playing research or optimally and I don't quite know what that I think is. it's gunline, like you said, but like you said, the threat gets weird. Yeah. Well, it depends on the threat value. So like, <laughs> I think maybe I probably am too aggressive with like trying to stand on it into certain teams and then like, yeah on attrition and dying or something or it feels scarier than i should and maybe maybe i should just ignore it play know? the secures yeah <laughs> maybe you just ignore it now the trouble is if you ignore it then you've got to make up two vps every round on the secures and they might right. and they've only had to commit one character well, if you've completely ignored it they've only got to use one character and it's hard but you to make you, you take the you take the yeah. actions that you use to ignore it to kill them right because they're there they're standing on it so like you need yeah. to be able to protect them efficiently I mean, yeah, it can be more difficult if they like move it. They realize your plan and they move it like backwards off to the side, not so that you could score it once and put it on the um, put it on the evac, but and then like have a character with stealth. Uh, there's 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 nuance there. So I'll give you two examples. My week two league game, I played Magneto. Okay, so both games I played Magneto, Juggernaut, and Apex. Game one was into. Hydra. It was Red Skull, Hydra, Hydra Red Skull, Strucker, Zola, and Loki. And I prioritized standing on the researcher and like trying to fight him while scoring the researcher. And I basically felt like my Magneto was one success away from losing me the game. Because he was just attacking me with like count blanks with two characters and rerolls and all this shenanigans. Um, but then I just played Researcher yesterday and it was actually into Kingpin. Uh, and he played like Kingpin, Ulick, uh, Bullseye, and Venom, like uh, Eddie Brock Venom. And I let him score at the first two rounds, and I just like fed characters to Magneto and killed him. And then he just had nothing left, you know? And I felt like I was fine. Like, even though I was down like eight to two on round after round two, <laughs> you basically came back and it was like fine. So I feel like I played. I feel like I played it better in that game. So maybe the play is like, if I'm like trying to kill but you're you. you're basically just describing attrition gameplay. You're, you're supposed to be down. That's that's the whole point of it, right. right? And that's my problem, right? Is I'm probably trying to play too, I'm probably trying to get right. on VPs when I shouldn't be. So maybe I'm playing and, wrong and, it, and I, I acknowledge that. And yeah, it makes sense play. actually that an attrition team would play researcher obviously because yeah you're it's like you know hunt you know what is it what's the phrase like uh using uh get using honey to draw people versus like vinegar i guess but the point is like when you eventually win it maybe that's not even until turn three now you own it and can move it to a place where you can also win on secures so it's like a that's kind of like a boomerang or rubber banding effect of the score which is 
And even even my loss to Vince was on Researcher, and I committed a lot of resources to scoring the Researcher and like taking move actions to keep scoring the Researcher. Mm. He's just shooting me, right? Well, and then and I'm, yeah. I'm just dying. And the Researcher doesn't score fast enough to like to let you play exactly because you're not getting to 16 in time for it to matter, right? Right. It's similar to a character that has like let's say 10 health, and then they're at one health. That character still functions at one health. They're not actually disabled until they're at zero health, right? So uh, as an attrition team, the goal is to kill characters and let them score. But as long as they don't get to 16, it's okay, you know? Um, so anyway, uh, that's an interesting thought, and maybe that's all it comes down to. Um, I mean, Researcher is the slowest in the game. If you want the game to go slow, then Researcher is your choice. So, exactly. So, I think we've gone, gone through all of them there just as an overview. We're probably going to return to some of these in some Pillars of the Games episodes coming up. But have you got any final thoughts on extracts generally, guys? Uh, yeah, I think they're in a much, much better spot. I think it's a lot easier now for you to lose prio and be put on your extracts and have a plan that you like, which is important. Like, you need to be able, both players need to be able to play a crisis that they like in some capacity. You might not love it, but in some capacity, right? Before it was like, well, I just, I play single extracts because there is nothing else to play and I hate this. <laughs> yeah. um, it might just be that it's the threat you like and that's what you like about the crisis. Yeah, correct. I mean, there, you know, Vince has talked about this with the shield list, right? He's like, yeah, I'm playing 215 threat crises because I love the crises and the shape, but I hate the threat value. So I'm kind of just like banking that I don't have to play the threat value, you know? So that <laughs> can be a strategy. Uh, probably that strategy is better for extracts than secures, right? Because like, uh, I think, right, we've seen that up to this point. I have heard a lot of chatter about people picking extracts into senators teams in particular and in fact the the york weekender uh confirms this uh the guy the web warriors player in second took his extracts with prio into uh, multiple senators yeah teams, i believe uh, even even when even when he would be put on map e like the demons you know it's like senators is that hard to deal yeah with. and i mean that's a whole conversation of building a roster and building a team is like and and I I'll just leave it at this. I I'm, this is a, a, maybe a tangent, but I think we're at a point in the game where it's really important to build a competitive team that is good at fast games and slow games. And then because the thing is, like you choosing your extracts, but then the opponent puts you in a slow situation. If you don't have a roster that can handle that, like if you're put on like demons and you have no plan for like a slow demons style game, you're going to be in trouble, right? But if you do have a plan, then it's okay to pick your extracts, you know? Uh, because you mentioned Senators. I think Senators is definitely a future Pillars of the Game episode because it's like Senators is so warping that if you don't have a plan into it, then picking your extracts is your plan, you know? Uh, and, yeah, that's just how the game goes. And then if, you can, if your roster can handle all the possible secure options, then it's okay to do that. Awesome. Okay, guys, well, next time we're going to try and get through a similar uh, exercise for secures. But until then, we'll see you next time in the Danger Room. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our thoughts on the game. 
As the game changes, the information in this episode may become less relevant, so bear that in mind if you're listening from the future. We also want to thank Discount Games Inc. and Blackgate Games. If you don't have a local game store and they can't get what you're looking for, check out those guys. They'll sort you out. Finally, a big thank you to Atomic Mass Games for making such an awesome game. We'll see you next time in The Danger Room. Simulation complete.